Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Dimes of Crime. This is your host, Haley. And I'm Richa. We're back. And yeah, we are. Welcome. It's been a while since we've had a recording. Life has been kind of crazy. We've had lots of family events and just life. Life. Yeah. yeah. New jobs, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> so it's been really hard to get on to recording. With that being said, Rich has had even more going on, so I'm doing our story again today. And then we will be switching to every other week just for a little while until things calm down. And I can't guarantee when that's going to be, but um, not very long, a couple months. Hey, if you guys got, if you guys want full time content, we'll pull, we'll put our Venmos on Instagram, and maybe you guys can just send us money. <laughs> And we can make money off of this. There you know. go. <laughs> I read, I heard this like radio story about how the latest thing on social media is for every single person to put their Venmo handle on their Instagram. And I was listening to this radio show where someone was like, since when did we make begging for money like okay and normal? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so if no one caught that, I was completely being sarcastic, but... Yeah, it was just a joke. It is. This isn't our full-time job. We did this for fun. It's still one of our passion mm-hmm. projects, and we want to keep content coming, but it's hard sometimes because of life. So for now, it's every other week. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, with that being said, we are going to go into disclaimers. Um, and what are you drinking, Richa, first? I'm drinking a, a White Claw. And since this is our second time around, because I'm seriously slacking on stories and apparently my ability to record an episode correctly, this is our second try. So the White Claw that I was drinking is almost gone. <laughs> um, so are you going to get another that's one? What it was. Maybe. Depends on the story. But yeah, I was drinking the Grapefruit White Claw, which is my favorite. So, What flavor? The Grapefruit one. Oh yeah, I like the Grapefruit. I'm drinking a red blend called Pessimus. Pretty cool. Tastes good. Full bodied. Definitely. So we've switched roles. Yeah. He does stories now and drinks red wine. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, today we are going to go into disclaimers, I guess, before I forget again. Um, this one is a brutal case. It does involve minors, not super young children, not toddlers or anything. Teenagers is what we're going to be talking about today. Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, it's going to be gory. Um, but yeah, with that being said, listen with your headphones on so other people don't have to listen to us go on about all the details of murder that don't appreciate listening to that kind of (laughs) stuff, which I feel the weird saying the word appreciate when it comes to murder, but here we are. (laughs) Okay. So today we're going to be talking about Jason Sweeney. I don't know if you're familiar with the case. It's not a super popular one. Um, I did find it through Morbid, so I know they have covered this case before. So if you're Morbid fans, which I actually think a lot of the people who listen to us like Morbid, which I don't know if that's what I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) But anyways, (laughs) I tried listening to Morbid. It's another one that I have to listen to. I like their banter, but sometimes it's a lot. It's a little too much. Yeah. Yeah. I like Morbid too. Yeah, that being said, it, it's one of my current um, go-to podcasts along with a few other ones. So. Right. Yeah. It's hard because I finished like all small, t- or not small time, all of Murder With My Husband and they're like the ones I like could like listen to the most, I think. And since they don't put out any other contact, like they only do once a week, I'm like up to date. So 
like I've been trying to look for more. But anyways. Yeah. That's how sometimes I find a lot of these cases when it comes involving women. Because it's not that easy to find. It's not that hard either. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But anyways, okay, we're going to the case. It's not that easy to find women cases that don't always, or like most of them, don't involve children. And sometimes we want to stay away from children because we're parents to young children right now. So, yep. Anyways, got it. So, Jason Sweeney, it definitely does not ring a bell for me. So, this will be a brand new case. I have not heard the morbid coverage either. So, brand new for me. So, I'm looking forward to the story. Perfect. So, on Memorial Day weekend of 2003, a group of children were riding their bikes through the trails along the Delaware River in Fishtown, Philadelphia, with a ca- without a care in the world. That was until they noticed something strange on the ground, something that looked like bloodied pieces of bones. Of course, the remains could have been from some kind of animal that had met its end recently, but there was something else that did not exactly fit that picture. As the youngsters kept moving forward, they stumbled upon the rest of the body. But instead of fur, they saw clothes. And I'm just checking to make sure it's not recording. Okay, we're doing good. <laughs> um, and I don't know how young the kids were that were riding the bikes. So, do not know that. But from my guess, they were old enough to call the police or, you know, know something was wrong. Yeah. So, as the police arrived at the scene shortly after, they confirmed the children had indeed discovered a body of a man, but due to the horrible injuries, they could not say much more, not even if this person was young or old. The bloody pieces along the trail provided to be bits of facial bones in addition to several teeth. The amount of violence used on the victim was just unimaginable. Hoping for quick identification, the investigators searched the victim's pockets and his wallet, but found nothing. There was no ID and also no money. So while the authorities still did not know who the Shondo was, they now had an idea of the motive. It seemed like the victim had been leered to the wooded area and robbed. But how much money must he have had to have someone come after it with such brutality? I've been fighting a cough for the last <clears throat> like month. Connor still Connor I think finally got over his, but he's had his basically since Father's Day. So that's been oh, fun. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, coughs so, sometimes last a while. It's the worst. Also yeah. worse when you're like a podcaster because vo- your voice is all you have. <laughs> right. Exactly. Or talking to tables and with the nowadays like pandemic because I'm a waitress and a bartender. So I try not to cough at my customers, but it's hard that to do. You the know? worst during COVID times. <laughs> yeah. Here's your goat cheese ball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, let's do this. Okay. The subsequent autopsy revealed that the Delaware River John Doe had died within the last 24 hours and was just a teenager. A young man who should have still had his whole life ahead of him. The medical examiner could only estimate the number of times the victim had been hit, but it was dozens and the killers or killers had used several different weapons, at least a hatchet and a rock hatchet and a rock that's just like overkill most of the young man's devastating injuries were on the right top of the front side of his head literally every other bone in the victim's face was broken except his left cheekbone there was no way even the teenager's parents could have recognized their son anymore but fortunately another unrelated injury helped john doe to get his name back a hatchet and a rock is just like overkill to me yeah that seems personal like 
I don't know if it is because I know nothing about this case. So now I'm just guessing. All I know is that, right. that it's a woman because, hello, we're dimes of crime. Um, but it just seems yeah. like that's too much. A rock and a hatchet. Also seems unplanned. Seems like a crime of opportunity. Right. As the police checked the list of people who had gone missing in the area lately, they found a report of a 16-year-old boy who had said to have a fresh scar on his hand, just like John Doe. The detectives immediately contacted the family, and the boy's father, Paul Sweeney, headed to the county morgue on Monday morning of June 1, 2003. While Paul did not get to see the victim's face, he recognized a scar caused by a construction work incident. The body belonged to his son, Jason Sweeney. But how had and why had the 16-year-old ended up in a metal slab in a morgue? I just kind of imagine that feeling as a parent just, to have yeah. to go through that. I, yeah, and 16-year-old, 1-year-old, 2-year-old, 10-year-old, it doesn't matter what age as a parent to go and identify did that the body. Yeah, it's just it's so disheartening yeah, 30-year-old. and sad and all the other words that I can't think of right now. But yeah, definitely sad. Yeah. So to start at the beginning, Jason Keel Sweeney was born on July 29, 1986 in Philadelphia and grew up in a classic working class neighborhood of Fishtown with his younger sister, Melissa. The siblings were fortunate to have caring and loving parents, Father Paul, a con- contractor who owned a local construction company, and Mother Dawn, who was a bank teller. The Sweeney's raised a son who was described as a gentle soul, a sweet and kind person who was popular among his peers and always willing to help others, as his mother said. And I quote, he was a kid that in a schoolyard, if he saw someone being bullied, oh. that he would intervene. End quote. Jason did eventually drop out of school in the 11th grade, but not without having a plan. He wanted to follow his father's footsteps and begin working in the family business. But while Jason enjoyed the job in construction, it was really just a way to make some money to achieve his biggest dream, becoming a Navy SEAL and studying wow. at Valley Forge Military School. So you could say 16-year-old Jason wow. Sweeney had a lot going for him. There should have been any questions about whether or not the hardworking and easygoing teenager would achieve his goals, and yet his parents mm. had begun to have a bad feeling. That thing feeling. about um, him standing up for bullying just reminded me, did I tell you, we went to the playground the other day, and you know, Leo's starting to get old enough to now go up to kids at the playground and you know, want to like try to do what they're doing. And these two boys wouldn't let him play. I felt so sad, and I didn't right. intervene. But I was really mad that yeah. the mom, whose kids were not letting, it wasn't just Leo, like there were other kids there and they wanted to get into this like little house kind of thing that's there at parks sometimes, you know, under slides and stuff. Um, and Leo didn't really even want to mm-hmm. go in. He just wanted to like follow these kids in there because he was curious. And one of the kids is like, no, I'm sorry. Only only people, only kids over two years old are allowed. And then he goes, wait, how old are you? And I had to answer for Leo. And I'm like, well, he's one. He's like, yeah, only kids over two are allowed in here. And the mom was right there. She oh was my like, gosh. 
not doing anything and i was like okay leo let's go from here let's go play on the slides instead but i felt so sad for him because at some point he tried to walk in and the guy just like stopped him midway and leo thought he was tickling him so he just like laughed (laughs) my heart broke i was so sad (laughs) that's sad yeah it's hard when the bigger kids don't want to play with the little kids for sure then there's some ones that are really sweet so i don't know that's a hard one for sure especially as a parent you're like "Eh." i had uh I've had moms that came up to me like at the trampoline park and crews like holding a ball and there's like other balls and she had a ball in her hand. And she's like, can you give that back? And I'm like, no, this has been our ball. That's actually, weird. Like, we found this ball. We've been playing with this ball. Like the mom came out. Yeah. And I wanted to fight her, but I just gave it to her. So I'm like, I'm, whatever. <laughs> Choose your battles. Mama bear. Okay. So, about six years earlier, during the fourth grade, Jason had met a boy named Edward Batzig Jr. The two got along very well and soon became best friends. During the years, Edward was one of Jason's closest companions, even traveling with the Sweeney family on holiday to Florida. However, it was after that trip that Paul and Don agreed something had changed in Edward. They felt that their son's best friend had fallen in with the Mm. wrong crowd and was dragging Jason with him. Still, Paul and Don knew they could not completely forbid their son from seeing his friend, but they did suggest Jason limit the time in Edward's company. You can only imagine how happy the Sweeney's were when Jason then revealed in May 2003 that he was seeing someone, a 15-year-old Wait, girl named Wait, this is the same Justina month he died, right? Because you mentioned Memorial Day is when they found the body. Mm, okay. So yeah, this is May 2003. Uh, yeah, so Justina Morley. Perhaps a romantic relationship was all they needed to keep him out of trouble. Sadly, just a few weeks later, Paul and Don learned that their son's girlfriend Uh-oh. was the worst thing that had ever happened to him. Yeah. So after talking with Jason's parents, the detectives learned that 16-year-old had had plans with his girlfriend on the day of his the day that he disappeared. But as Jason was the only one found dead in the woods, where was Justina? The police quickly tracked down the girl, who was found totally unharmed and claimed she did not know anything about what had happened to Jason. But the thing is, even though Justina did not want to talk, her friends could not keep their mouth shut. Soon the detectives discovered it was not just Jason's new girlfriend who had conspired to kill him, but oh, his best friend f- too. Fuck Edward and Justina? Not cool. Mm -hmm. Not cool. Also, (laughs) I was saying, with the Dimes of Crime episode, I always tell Drew, like, aren't you lucky you found me? (laughs) (laughs) Instead of all these other girls that you could have been murdered by? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what's the odds that you're going to get murdered by your girlfriend? I don't know. I guess more than probably being bit by a shark. If you listen to our podcast, you would think the odds are more than they are, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Oh, not before long, the police had Edward Batzig and two other teenagers, 16-year-old Nicholas Koa and 17-year-old Dominic Koa, in custody. And unlike Justina, they had a lot to say. 
Based on the statements and the evidence found at the scene, the authorities were now able to piece together the final moments of Jason Sweeney. On Friday, May 30th, 2003, Jason finished work early, even more excited than usual. He was going to meet with Justina for a date. At about 4 p.m., Jason grabbed his $500 paycheck and headed to pick up Justina from her home on East Palmer Street. At first, the young lovers hung around the town, Jason buying the soda for Justina from a corner store. Shortly after, the 15-year-old came up with another, more adventurous idea. Justina suggested they move to a more private location to the trails along the Delaware River. She did not need to say much more for Jason to understand why they would go to that specific remote location. There, they could get physical without anybody bothering them. And so the teenagers made their way to the trails where Justina then immediately began to get rid of her clothes. Jason followed her example and removed his shoes. But just as he unzipped his trousers, something unexpected happened. Three young men suddenly emerged behind the trees and to his confusion, Jason realized he knew all of them. He had just enough time to see the faces of Edward Batsig and two other teenagers, brother Nicholas and Dominic Koa, before they attacked him. Wait, so you haven't told a motive yet, right? Like, we have no idea why they're doing it yet. Um, well, the cops think it's money, and he just did get a $500 paycheck. God, it will never cease to amaze me how little money motivates murder. I know, and there's like four of them involved, so 100 bucks each or something. Oh, you know? my what? God, come on. Such a I know. waste of life. My God goodness like who is this chick i want to look up what she looks like after this episode because i not that looks matter i'm just saying like it i just want to know what the person who would want to kill their boyfriend for 500 dollars actually a hundred something dollars it's just bizarre right and just imagine like your last moments is all your friends about to attack and you. your girlfriend like who, and who your betrayed girlfriend. you yeah I could not imagine what he was feeling in those moments. Over $500. Edward, Edward, the only one who had been Jason's best friend for years, struck the 16-year-old in the head repeatedly with a hatchet at least four or five times. Needless to say, Jason immediately knew this was not some prank or a play fight between friends. No, his best friend was clearly trying to kill him. While Jason begged for his life, the Koa brothers stepped in and continued hitting him with a hatchet a hammer, and a rock. Oh, my God. Until no more sound came from their victim. Until there was no more facial features left that could have revealed this person once was Jason Sweeney. All while Justina stood there and watched how the boy she had lured to the woods was brutally beaten to death. Not just a boy. Again, her boyfriend. Right. It's despicable. I don't have words. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's hard to come up with words when people do things like that. Once the four teenagers were sure Jason was not going to get up again, they emptied his pockets, taking the $500 paycheck, the reason why the 16-year-old had lost his life, just so Justina, Edward, Nicholas, and Dominic could have 125 to buy drugs and party. Oh, my God. Enraged. I'm enraged. I have no words. I'm frazzled. I know. Like, if you're really going to come up with, like, just go ask your parents for 150 bucks or fucking. Who cares? Know, go shoplift. Go do any other crime, petty theft, that would give you that money to party and yeah. do drugs. If you want to go to jail that bad and you have a death wish that bad, guess what? There are right. crimes that you can commit 
that will not kill someone. Go rob a bank. <laughs> yeah. But not with a gun. Yeah. After the senseless act, the teenagers had a group hug and headed to Dominic's best friend, 18-year-old Joshua Stabs. Wait a minute. Yep. Did you say they hugged after smashing someone's face with a rock, a hammer, and a hatchet? They gave each other a group hug. Yes, I did. <laughs> Rich's face right now. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty fucked up. Then they all go to their friend's Josh, 18-year-old Joshua Stabs house, where they wash their bloodied clothes before heading out to get marijuana, heroin, and cocaine. Dominic later described what they did by saying they partied beyond redemption, which, okay, I don't know. All those drugs are expensive, so I don't know what you're buying at $125. I mean, it is 2003. But. It was like, what, 18 years ago at this point? No, um, uh, 17 years ago. No, shoot, 2019. Yeah. yeah, so 19 years ago, and... I mean, inflation wasn't as bad. I don't know. Maybe drugs were cheaper back then. I have no idea. I don't know. Me neither. As the legal proceedings then started in June 2003, Justina Morley's lawyers tried to their best to minimize her implication in the murder and use her rough past as a defense strategy. According to Justina's mother, April Frederick, her daughter started self-harming at the age of 10, the same age she began experimenting with drugs. In 2002, Justina was hospitalized for threatening suicide, after which she continued to have issues with self-mutilation and narcotics. The teenager should have stayed in the hospital for a long time, but as Justina threatened to commit suicide if her mother would not let her come home, April did not have another choice but take her out, and things only kept getting worse wait so i have a question do we know why the koa brothers decided to talk like is there a motive here for them or are they just like dumb dumb criminals because that's okay with me if they're dumb i just like did they have a tiff was there a fight like i think it was just for the money because they're all just drug addicts so they talked to the police for more money did they think they were going to get paid for the information oh oh they're probably their kids they probably pressured under you know they're like, okay, if we turn up everybody else in, maybe we'll get a deal or something. Oh, interesting. You know, cops are clever like that. Or cops will sometimes pull you into other rooms and be like, hey, your brother already told yeah. us everything. Or, if or you, Justina already told us everything. Or if you listen to other stories, maybe they'll just offer you full immunity before even knowing the story. <laughs> right. Right. That, there's that too. Yeah, but I guess it's they pulled him into the thing and was like, yeah, so we already know that you did this. And uh, your brother, Dominic, already told us that you did this and this was all your idea yeah. and then you know oh it wasn't all my idea it was so-and-so's idea yeah that's how i figured this went down unbeknownst to jason justina used sex as a tool to get drugs just a few days before the brutal attack she slept with both edward and nicholas in exchange for heroin afterward all three dominic plotted all three and dominic plotted how to kill jason sweeney and get his money by using justina as bait Due to her young age and difficult past, including depression, suicide attempts, and substance abuse, Justina's lawyers argued she should get a juvenile court trial. But the thing is, even though Justina did not touch Jason, she was solely responsible for taking her, her sorry, taking him to the trails while knowing very well he was walking to his death. Oh, yeah. Premeditated. That proves premeditation. 
Mm-hmm. So Justina's role in the senseless attack was significant, and her past only proved that treatments had not worked. On top of that, the prosecution had gotten their hands into letters Justina had written behind bars, which were not just sexually explicit, but also included claims of her enjoying flashbacks of the murder and describing herself as, quote, a cold-hearted devil-worshipping bitch, end quote. Oh my God, it just gets dumber and dumber. So you're in jail yep. for a crime that you're going to not plead guilty to and try to fight. And you're sitting here like writing. Your correspondence from the jail includes how much you enjoyed this crime. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot. Idiots. <laughs> yep. For $425? Yeah. Oh my God. I am baffled. Not exactly words of a person feeling remorse. In the end, the judge decided Justina Morley was to be tried as an adult. Unsurprisingly, she then chose to plead guilty to third-degree murder in exchange for testifying against her accomplices. Edward Batzig and Dominic and Nicholas Coya were tried together as adults for first-degree murder, conspiracy, robbery, and possession of an instrument of crime. According to Dominic's confession, had they prepared for the murder by listening to the Beatles song, Hitler Skettler, over 40 times, which it is so surprising. How many murders are tied to the Beatles? It's like I no crazy. longer like the Beatles. Well, is I'm it sorry. like, is it like you're getting like, um, what is that called? Like Royalties? hypnotized, like hypnotized by the song or something like, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but you know what the saddest part is that I just like popped up in my brain is to sit there as the parent of Jason Sweeney and realize that they did it for such little money. (sighs) This is so sad to say. It's like almost making me cry. The funeral for their son would have cost them more than what he lost his life for. Oh, yeah. 100%. And that is... (sighs) Talk about wasted potential. He wanted to be a Navy SEAL. He was a person who stood up for his friends and just not just friends for strangers. Yeah. God, 16. What? $125 each. Like, I mean, what kind of monster? And like to go to jail forever for that too, you know? Like, really? Just just go work at a grocery store and you make that in like two days. Go steal from the grocery store for all I care. Don't kill someone. Like, you can give back money. You can pay fines. But you can't give back life. It's just, God, that's so drastic for, like, $125. Mm -hmm. I don't even care if they each got $500. That's not enough. Because what price can you pay for a life? But, man, this is just not even, like, remotely close. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not. But despite being drug addicts, they were sober that day. The trio attempted to portray Justina as the ringleader who had come up with the murderous plan, but that did not erase the fact they had all used their own hands and several tools to destroy Jason Sweeney's head and the lives of his loved ones. It was also Edward who had known when Jason would get his paycheck. As you can guess, all three were convicted on all charges. In May 2005, Edward Batzig and Nicholas and Dominic Coa received a mandatory life sentence without the possibility for parole. Which, wow. honestly, I feel really bad for the Coa's parents. Like, they just Why? lost two sons to go to jail. Like, what? They what? murdered someone for $125. I'm sorry. I do not feel bad 
I don't for, feel bad like, those for two the people kids going, going to, to the jail. I feel bad for the parents who just lost two kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for all the parents in this, but man, those. I do not feel bad for the fact that they went to jail. No, I'm, I'm kind of happy about the sentence. This is, It's rare that you hear about juveniles being tried as, as adults, not to mention no possibility of parole. So right. for once, the justice system worked. Yeah. Wait, did, did Justina? What oh. about Justina? Thanks no. to the deal she made, Justina Morley was convicted of lesser charges and sentenced to 17 and a half to 35 years in prison in 2003. After 17 years behind the bars, she was released on December 10th, 2020. Damn, right in the middle of COVID. Her life's over. Yeah. Hopefully, Justina will make better decisions and appreciate her second chance in life. Unlike Justina now has a possibility to do, Jason Sweeney never got to pursue his dreams. But his parents have not let them be forgotten. Paul and Don set up the Jason Keel Sweeney Foundation to fund a full scholarship for the Valley Forge Military Academy and College and even took a piece of Jason's hair to the Empire State Building. And as Don would say, and everywhere I go that Jason wanted to go, I'm going to cut off a piece of his hair and leave it there. So a piece of him is there and it's kind of a metaphoric way he will have seen Empire State Building. That's really sad. I almost cried on that one. That is a really good story, but man, so sad in so many unexpected ways. I was not expecting only minors to be involved in it. Like, only minors. It's not just the victims. It's also the criminals. And man, the I don't doubt that Justina probably was the ringleader. She probably planted the idea in their mind, but then the guys probably executed it. That's just my speculation. I'm not sure that's what happened. Clearly, she didn't get you know, charged for that. She got third degree, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the story is pretty accurate. I mean, there's a lot of people, a lot of kids to tell the story. So I'm sure she, but she was the one who leered them in the woods, you know, so. 125 bucks will never not shock me. So, wow. Yeah. Whatever. Well, good story. Um, What a way to be back. Right. (laughs) Okay, so, um, yeah, I guess you know the deal here. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Email us at dimesofcrime at gmail.com if you want to talk about this case or if you have a case. Any other case. Yeah, a case you want us to do and cover. And we will see you in, not next Thursday, two two Thursdays. We'll see you next, that that week. With a drink (laughs) in hand. Don't let the murder thoughts bite. (laughs) 